so grateful for this opportunity to stand before you as pastor makes his way to the next service. Um, but there is a word from the Lord found in the book of Revelation as a pastor has started a series looking at the seven letters to the churches in Asia Minor. I want to spend some time a little bit in chapter one, beginning at verse number nine. I won't be, I won't be before you long today. I uh, spent all night partying <laughs> over at the Rock City Summer Jam with our teens and our children. We had such a great time uh, yesterday, and so we praise God for the fellowship and the fun that was had. Revelation chapter 1, beginning at verse 9, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, I, John, am your brother and your partner in suffering and in God's kingdom and in the patient endurance to which Jesus calls us. I was exiled to the island of Patmos for preaching the word of God and for my testimony about Jesus. It was the Lord's day. And I was worshiping in the spirit. And suddenly I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet blast. It said, write in a book everything you see and send it to the seven churches in the cities of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Verse uh, 9 says that... It was the Lord's day, and I was worshiping in the spirit. Suddenly, I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. It said, write in the book everything you see. Can you help me preach this turn to somebody around you and tell them, I think the Lord is trying to show you something. Come on, wake them up. Wake somebody else up while you're at it and just tell them, I think the Lord is trying to show you something. I think the Lord is trying to show you something. <clears throat> Have you guys went back to the movies yet? Yeah? One of the greatest, at least for me, things about going to the movie theater to catch a good film are the previews. I love a good trailer. And... Uh, there are certain qualities that make a trailer very effective because a trailer or a preview of a film doesn't show you the whole film. It gives you pieces that, in essence, you have to put together in order for you to really get the concept of what the film is coming out hoping to do. A preview or a trailer doesn't give you the whole film. It just gives you enough in order for you to wait to see the big picture later on. It's a preview, it's a trailer. And in fact, the book of Revelation, in fact, is just that. It is a preview of a coming attraction. It is a trailer of what is to come. In fact, the book of Revelation, by the time you get toward the end, John helps us to understand what this coming attraction is. He gives it a name. He says it is a, a new Jerusalem. In essence, it is Jesus reclaiming his throne and reigning forever. It is a preview of what is to come. It is a coming attraction. The book of Revelation is a complex book. Many shy away from it. It is filled with such imagery and creativity 
and in fact, imagination. And when you read throughout the book of Revelation, there's a host of characters that you may need some extra resources outside of the Bible to really get a grasp on the interpretation of what John is seeking to get across. So if you ever read the book of Revelation, that perhaps you've come across the four horsemen or the beast or the dragon or the serpent and all of these different, the, the woman who's giving birth uh, or the promiscuous woman and all of these different symbols and, and, and images that reflect back to what John is seeking to get across to the church in Asia Minor. He is using his creativity and imagination, and that's why I believe that Jesus selected John in the first place to even record what it is that he's seeing. Literally, the book of Revelation is just that. It is a vision or many visions that John has had, and he is recording what it is he is seeing, and he is seeing something that is to come. It is a coming attraction. It is, it is not just a coming attraction, but it is also a coming destruction. For the violence that is submerged in this book, the chaos, the warfare that is in this book, it, it, it inspires so many people to shy away from even reading it. But chapter one says you're blessed if you just read it. Even if you don't understand all the characters and symbolism in it, you're blessed by just reading the book. This trailer, this preview, this coming attraction, it is a recording of what is to come. And John takes his time to write this trailer, this preview, and he is letting the church in on a coming attraction, not just really the second coming of Christ and the destruction that precedes it, but also it is the pulling down of empires and emperors. You gotta really understand the symbolism that is in this book, but I won't go super nerdy on you today, but by the end of the book, you realize that despite of all the violence and the chaos and the warfare, in the midst of all that, there was worship. In the midst of all that, Jesus is sitting on the throne, reigning forever. In short, despite of all that you read in this book, those of us who are part of the body of Christ, those of us who accept Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, we have the victory by the end of it all. And so John is trying to, he is trying to send off this recording of a vision that he is having to the churches who are going through suffering and oppression and persecution, and he is letting them know that despite of what you are experiencing in your current reality, there is a coming attraction. There is victory. There is reign. There is kingdom. In fact, uh, the early Christian movement, they would use these terms with political, uh, uh, political implications, terms like king or lord or kingdom these symbolisms and these these symbols and these images point back to a deeper meaning it is from the apocalyptic genre that seeks to um, unveil or expose the truth or what is going on behind the scenes and john is helping us to understand that what you see ain't all that you see and God is trying to show you something. And God gives John a vision. And I believe that even, even now, God is trying to show 
many of us some things that is to come. God is trying to show us what, what, a, what a church that is connected and committed to the kingdom looks like. God is trying to show us what a, what, what a church that looks like that is renewed, that is going through a restart, a refresh. God is trying to show us what a family that is renewed looks like, what a marriage that is renewed looks like, what, what parenting relationship that is renewed looks like, what a co-worker relationship, a, a relationship on the job, a community, what it, what it looks like when we go through a reset. And God is trying to show you something just like God showed John the Revelator. But, but it, it, it's interesting to me that, that this entire book of Revelation is not just a vision, but notice where John is experiencing this vision. John is writing this letter, and early on, he's letting them know. He says that I am your partner in suffering. John is letting us know that suffering oftentimes sets the stage for what God is trying to show you. And some of us shy away from the suffering. No wonder why we ain't got no vision. No wonder why we haven't seen and experienced all that God is seeking to communicate because oftentimes it is the suffering that we experience that sets the stage for God to communicate what God is seeking to show us. It is the suffering. It is John the Revelator. He is speaking to the church in Asia Minor. They are Christians in the Roman Empire. And to be a Christian in the Roman Empire is like being black in America. Y'all sleep today. Persecution, harassment, rejection. And this is what the church of Asia Minor is experiencing. But not only that, but the church of Asia Minor, they are in a region where they have, they, they, have, uh, they have settled in with the oppression of Rome. They, they are no longer fighting back. They have compromised with the, the, the Roman Empire. And so John is taking his time to encourage them and to let them know that, yes, you are a Christian. Yes, you are connected to the church. But every now and again, you will experience some suffering in your life. But don't shy away from the suffering because it is in this suffering season where God is looking to show you something. Tell somebody, I think God is trying to show you something. It's like when you're in the movie theater and when it gets dark, that's how you know the previews is about to start. And I have a sneaky suspicion that there is somebody in this room, somebody tuned in online that's experiencing a dark moment in your life. You are experiencing some suffering in your life, but don't allow the suffering to blind you from what God is seeking to show you. And it's not just the suffering that sets the stage, but it's our perspective in the suffering. Because notice, notice what John says. John says, I am your partner in suffering and in God's kingdom. He has a kingdom perspective while he's going through the suffering. He's thinking about God. He's, he has a, he has a, he, he's thinking about the kingdom of God even while he's going through the suffering. Because many of us, the reason why many of us can no longer see what God is seeking to show us is because our perspective is messed up. 
Because when we go through suffering, we think, we think it's over. When we go through suffering, we think that God has turned God's back on us. When we go through suffering, we think that God is no longer walking with us and riding with us. But John makes it clear that, yes, I'm going through suffering. He even makes it clear, yes, I am in Jesus Christ. But even though I am in Jesus, even though I have a kingdom perspective, it doesn't, it, it doesn't help me to ignore the suffering that I experience in this life. And you can be in Christ and still suffer. You can be in church and still suffer. You can know all the scriptures and still suffer. You can be in all the ministries and still suffer. But it is your perspective in the suffering that sets the stage for what God is seeking to show you. And John says, I'm, I'm dealing with this suffering. He says, I'm, I'm suffering. I'm in the midst of the suffering, but I'm also having a kingdom perspective and while I'm in it, the kingdom perspective helps me to endure. It helps me to be patient even while I'm in the suffering because suffering don't last forever. It's only temporary. It's only a season. And when you and I show God that we are willing to be patient, that when you and I show God that we are willing to endure the suffering, God will help us to see that there is something beyond the suffering. There is something that God is seeking to take us to. That's why John, in his current reality, he is suffering, but he is seeing a coming attraction. He's in bondage, but he sees freedom. He, he, he's in Rome, but he sees the kingdom. He's, he's, he's in prison, he's in exile, but he sees the children of God being free and worshiping God in spirit and in truth. He didn't allow his suffering to impact his perspective. Just because you are suffering doesn't mean your perspective has to suffer. That's why the Bible says, think of these things that are above, not those things that are on earth. It all is all about your perspective that even though you're going through, you can have the right perspective and understand that God is behind the scenes working everything out for the good. And when you have the right perspective in the midst of your suffering, you won't allow the issues that you go through in life keep you from seeing what God is seeking to do in your life. It's the suffering that we go through. That's why, that's why John even says, he says, yeah, 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 I'm going through the suffering, but, 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 but notice what he says. He says, I am going through the suffering in which Jesus calls us. Man, because you know Jesus even had to endure suffering. Yeah, 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 he, he, even Jesus, the uh, all God, all man at the same time, Jesus, you know, he ain't never sinned before. He ain't, he ain't never cussed nobody out. Ain't that crazy? I mean, he was tempted. He was tempted to cuss some folk out, I'm sure. But he ain't even do it. He was sinless. He, 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 was, he was abiding by the, the, the will that God had for his life. He was preaching and teaching and healing and coming alongside and even still had to experience suffering. Even while he was at the Garden of Gethsemane, dealing with, with agony and depression and anxiety for what is to come, for the coming attraction, God was showing him some things, but he was still suffering for what was to come. And in the midst of all that pain, 
He was praying in the garden because Jesus didn't allow the suffering that he was experiencing to impact his perspective. And he went to God in the garden of Gethsemane. The garden of Gethsemane, yeah, that, that means oil press. It, it, it speaks of those olives that, that have to be crushed in order for the oil to emerge. And, 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 and of course, the Hebrew people use oil for healing, for food, uh, for all kind of things. But in order for them to get the oil, the olive has to go through a crushing season. And so here is John. He's in the midst of a crushing season. But Jesus is his standard. Jesus is his blueprint on how he can be patient and endure the suffering that he is going through because John is letting us know that, yes, Jesus suffered, but he endured. And the same power that helped Jesus get through his suffering season is the same power that is within us that helps us to get through what God is leading us through, even though it takes us through a season of suffering. And he says, I'm suffering but I'm still, I still got a kingdom perspective. I'm, I'm, I'm suffering, but I still know that God is calling me to something greater. I'm suffering, but God is showing me that the suffering won't last long. All I see is suffering, but I see something else that points to victory. Don't allow your suffering to have your perspective to suffer. Because John says that, that I'm, in, I'm in this suffering to which Jesus calls us. I'm in the suffering to which Jesus calls us. Wait, Jesus calls us to suffer? Had I known that Jesus calls to suffer, I would have ignored the call. I would have put do not disturb, go straight to voicemail. Jesus calls us to suffer. Yeah, because John is helping us to understand. Because here is John. John, he, he, he's all the way real. He says, I, I, I'm in exile for preaching the word of God and for my testimony about Jesus. He says he's in exile. He is going through suffering for at least two reasons. One, for his preaching. The second reason for his testimony about Jesus, that, 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 that phrase testimony about Jesus is really the life that John is living. John is saying that I wasn't just preaching the word, I was living by the word. I wasn't just teaching the word, I was living by the word. I wasn't just speaking the word and having conversations about the word. I was living out the word, but even as you live out the word, you still experience suffering. And notice the type of suffering that John is experiencing. He says, I'm in exile. I'm in bondage. Exile is, is another punishment from the Roman Empire. It's really a, literally a scale down from crucifixion. Crucifixion was reserved for, for those uh, poor criminals or, or, or rebels, and they, was, they would reserve the crucifixion for those who were part of the poor class. The exile were for those who had a higher social status, but they still had to endure the punishment. And even John, he's in exile, which indicates that he has some high social status, but even with a high social status, he is still struggling. 
Even with a high social status, he is still going through. Even with a high social status, he is still enduring pain because your social status does not keep you from the suffering that this life has to offer. And while John is enduring in this exile, he is, he is helping us to understand that, that oftentimes when God calls us, when God gives us an assignment, when God gives us destiny, when God gives us purpose, the calling that God gives to us is not a call to a comfort zone. It's not a call to, of being comfortable. The call of Christ is not a call for you to be comfortable in this life. Oftentimes, the call pushes us to a place of discomfort. The call pushes us to a place of being uncomfortable. Hey, hey, don't, 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 don't be fooled by the pl platform. Oftentimes, the platform is uncomfortable. Don't, 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 be, don't be fooled by those who are operating in ministry at a high level because you don't know the discomfort that they have to experience. Y'all not helping me. Every now and then, God will allow the call that God has placed on our life that will lead us to a place of discomfort. But don't allow your discomfort to keep you from acting out on the call that God has for you. John is in exile, but he is still operating in his call. Because John is helping us to understand that the, the, the call that God has for us every now and again, it pushes us to a place of discomfort. I mean, it was, I'm, sure, I'm pretty sure it was, it was uncomfortable for Hosea, who was called by God as a prophet to chase a prostitute throughout the city. It was uncomfortable for Isaiah, the prophet, to be naked out in the streets of Jerusalem. It was uncomfortable for, for Ezekiel to be dropped in the valley full of dry bones because every now and again, our calling pushes us to a place of discomfort. That's why Jesus says, I am the true vine, you are the branch. My father is the gardener. Jesus says that the branch that is in the vine has, has to be cut on. And, and, and it's the gardener that cuts on us, but it's the cutting that sets the stage for the fruit to be produced. And God is helping us to understand that in our seasons of discomfort, God is setting the stage for us to be productive at a high level because sometimes there are some things that are just better broken. Man, y'all sleep today. Um, I was on the way uh, to church and I had to ask Siri, what, what? What are the things that are better broken? And, and Siri gave me a website of 25 things that are better broken. On, on, on that list, of course, were like toxic relationships, bad habits. But, but there was something on that list that reminded me of a party that I went to for my little cousin Jackson. He turned four years old and, and his parents put together this party and uh, 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 the family came out, we had a good time. And, and, and in the middle of the party, they brought out the piñata. Y'all ever seen a piñata? Y'all know what a piñata is, right? It's, it, it's something that, that is filled with candy and treats and sweets. And that was the first time that my son, J3, had ever seen a piñata. He was so confused. 
because we hung that pinata up and everybody took turns just hitting on the pinata. And he was like, what, what, what's going on? I had to explain to him that there was something on the pinata that can't be experienced unless somebody hits on it, unless somebody breaks it, unless somebody opens it up. And y'all should have seen there were people taking turns, taking swings and hit at the pinata because there was something on the inside of it that all of us hoped to experience, but we couldn't get to it unless it was hit on, unless it was broken. And I have a sneaky suspicion that somebody is in a pinata season of your life. It seems as if life and people are taking turns hitting on you. Your spouse is hitting on you. The enemy is hitting on you. The co-workers are hitting on you. But God wanted me to let you know that there was something on the inside of you that can't be experienced until you go through a season of brokenness. And it is the calling that pushes us to a place of being uncomfortable. And it was, for John, it was a season of exile. It was a season of him being in isolation. He was in isolation. He was on the island of Patmos, not on vacation, but, but for persecution. And while he's on his island, while he's in isolation, John says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. I love that. He, he, he's going through suffering. He's going through exile. He, he, he's, he's trying to endure persecution in a season of brokenness. But in the midst of all of that, he says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Ah, see, see that, that, that term Lord's day, it has many interpretations because revelation is filled with so many symbols and imageries. It, it, it's filled with so, such imagination. One scholar says that you have to check the world that you know at the door before you enter the world of revelation. It is a supernatural setting that's trying to show us something. And, and, so, and so scholars go back and forth as to determining what did John mean about the Lord's day? Some, some say that, that, that he meant Sunday. And I don't, know, I don't know if I go with that interpretation or, or not about just the term Sunday. Maybe it was a Sunday on exile. And he was just like, yo, it's Sunday. Let me just hop in the spirit real quick. I don't know. Or, or, or some say that it was the day in which the Lord resurrected. It was Easter Sunday, not just a Sunday, but Easter Sunday. That's the Lord's day. Another interpretation is in representation of the end times or the judgment day. That's the Lord's day where, where earth is destroyed and God will begin to snatch up his people and, and it's judgment day. That's the Lord's day. Another interpretation is is the Sabbath day. Because, because um, uh, th th this term Lord's Day, as I said earlier, is one of the terms that has a political implication. Because the, 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 the Christians were dealing with, with persecution and they would use terms as cold, uh, not to represent the empire, but to represent the kingdom of God. So, so this term Lord's Day is really a play on what the Romans call Emperor's Day. Emperor's Day was the first day of every month where all the citizens would worship uh, Caesar as God and they would have all these practices and festivals on the Emperor's Day. 
But the Christians, they ain't having birth day. They had the Lord's day. And it was the Lord's day where they would honor the Sabbath. It was the Lord's day where they would rest. It was the Lord's day where they would worship God in spirit and in truth and give God a day. And that's why I like the, the interpretation of this being Sabbath day. Because it implies that even though John is going through suffering, he was still determined to have the Lord have his day. He was still determined that the Lord still needs a day. Even while I'm going through suffering, even while I'm going through pain, even when I know what's ahead, I am still going to give the Lord his day. And I want to encourage somebody in here today to give the Lord back his day. We, we, we've been going through suffering, pandemics, death, grief, loss. Many of us have been busy with our jobs and our families, and we have neglected the Lord's day. And I, and I love the fact that John remembered the Lord's day even while he was in suffering, because notice what John says. John says, not only is this the Lord's day, but I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Because, because John, he, he is seeking to respond to the suffering that he is going through. And one of the ways in which he is responding to the suffering is tapping in to the spirit. Because some of us go through suffering and we were in the spirits on the Lord's day. <laughs> or we was in something else trying to get through the suffering. But we indulged in something else that try to help us to self-meditate, medicate while we're going through the suffering. But John says, while I'm in the suffering, I'm tapping into the spirit because it is the spirit that encourages me on the inside that helps me face the suffering that is on the outside. And I won't allow the suffering that I'm experiencing to keep me from being in the spirit on the Lord's day. I know he's in the spirit because notice what he's doing. John says, I'm worshiping in the spirit. Yeah, because just because you suffer don't mean your worship has to suffer. And some of us have allowed our suffer, our praise, our commitment, our service to the church to suffer because we suffering. We, we, we've allowed our commitment to the church to suffer because the world was in a global pandemic. We, we, we allow our service and commitment to the church to suffer because the doors weren't open and we couldn't get to the building. But John says, even though I can't get to the building, even though I'm in suffering, even though I'm in pain, I won't allow the pain that I'm experiencing to keep me from getting my worship on. John understands that I can praise God through my pain. I can worship God through my worries. I can give God the praise and glory and honor in the midst of the suffering that I'm experiencing because despite of how bad it is, I still serve a good God who deserves more, who deserves my praise, who deserves my glory, who deserves my honor, and I can tap in to the Spirit even while I'm going through suffering. Tell somebody, I think the Lord is trying to show you something. Uh, oh, Keelan Duke preached here a few weeks ago. Um, him and his anxiety and his gummy bears. 
And, 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 and it reminded me of when uh, his father asked me to come preach for him. This is when Keelan was, you know, he was a Chicago pastor. And, and, uh, and so, you know, Pastor Elder Duke invited me to come and preach in Miami. And uh, this was a while ago. And I, had, you know, I was excited about going to Miami. And, 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 and Pastor Duke, he picked me up in his, in his hybrid car. And this is when hybrid cars had first came out. And, uh, and he was bragging to me about the car and, and, how, and how well it is on, on, on gas and all of that. And he says, um, the reason why I got this car is, is, is because in Miami and Florida, there are tropical storms and hurricanes that come through. And he says, when these tropical storms and hurricanes come through, it causes a, a shortage at the gas station. And so in the midst of the storm, you see people uh, falling short of their destination because of the shortage at the gas station. But, but, but Elder Duke says that his hybrid car has the ability to charge itself. He says that there was a mechanism in my car, on the inside of my car, that gives my car the ability to charge itself. He says that when the creators were creating my car, they knew that there would be moments where my car wasn't going to make it. There will be moments where my car was going to fall short. There will be moments where my car was going to go through a storm. But even while I'm going through storm, I can still get to my destination because there was something on the inside that empowers me to get through. And I started shouting in the Spirit on the Lord's day because I was reminded of the Holy Spirit that God placed on each and every one of us. That God has placed the Spirit in each and every one of us that despite of the storms that we face, despite of the suffering that we are in, the of the toxic environments that we may find ourselves in, God has given us God's spirit to keep us pushing in the midst of the storm. I'm done now. I'm done now. I got to get to Cooper Road. My son Jeremiah is being dedicated today. So I got to hop on the road and get, see young Maya get dedicated before the Lord. But here's what I want to end on, because there's so much in the book of Revelation, and we only got a little time. But here's what I want to end on, because Pastor has already given us what this, this symbolism means. Because notice, notice, notice what John says. He says, um, I was in the spirit. I was worshiping in the spirit. And then suddenly, I heard behind me a loud voice that sounds like a trumpet blast. And now John is beginning, beginning to hear things in his worship. God, John is in isolation. And, and sometimes God has to isolate some of us just to get us to understand and hear what God is seeking to speak to us. And some of us can't hear from God because we ain't never in no isolation with God. So God says, every now and again, I got to put you in exile so that you can hear what I'm trying to speak to you. And notice what John heard. He heard a voice that sounds like a trumpet blast. And, and Pastor Johnson already shared with us what this imagery means, the symbolism, the trumpet blast. It, it, it is a sound of victory. 
that, that, when the, that when the military army would come back after in war and they would have that victory, they would, they would have that trumpet blast and playing in the air to let the people know that, that we got the victory. Y'all ain't got to worry. Yes, we had to endure the fight, but we overcame it. We have the victory. How do I know? Because I can hear the trumpet blast. And this is why I love it, because John, he's in suffering, but he hears the trumpet. He's in pain, but he hears the trumpet. He's surrounded by his enemies, but he hears the trumpet. The church is going through, but he can still hear the trumpet because God is trying to show you something that even though it looks like you are in a defeated situation, I hear music in the air. I hear that there's a God somewhere who has the victory in his hands. And as long as I'm connected to the God of victory, despite of my situation, I can walk like I got the victory. I can talk like I got the victory. I can praise and worship like I got the victory because the victory is in the hands of God. I'm done now. Oh, Kirk Franklin and Maverick City Music are on tour right now. And it's probably, I ain't seen it because I ain't come through Indianapolis, so we're trying to figure out what city we're going to go to to check it out. Maverick City, Kirk Franklin. They're, they're on tour. They just put out an album called Kingdom. And when they recorded this album, Kingdom Book One, um, half of the album was recorded in the prison. You go back and look, all the videos are on YouTube right now, Apple Music, check it out. Half of their, their videos, half of the album was recorded in a prison. And when you go back and check it out, you'll see that the, 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 the choir that was in the prison was made up of prisoners who are spending 15 years to life in prison. 15 years to life in prison. But when you check out the video, you would have never thought that they were in prison. I mean, they got the, the prison garments on, but they got a smile on their face. They, they're, they're surrounded in bondage, but they're singing glory to God. And one of the songs that went viral from that prison were the prisoners singing, my life is in your hands. And, I, and, it, and it messed me up because it, I was thinking, bro, your, your life is literally in the hands of the state. Your life is literally in the hands of the government. Your life is literally in the hands of the penal system. But when you know that the trumpet is blasting, despite of what you're going through, you can still let the world know that my life is in your hands. Matter of fact, we can let somebody know right now that even in the suffering, even in the pain, even in the persecution, we can testify that my life is in the hands of God. You don't have to worry, and don't you be afraid. Joy coming in the morning. Trouble don't last always, because there's a friend named Jesus who will wipe your tears away, and if your heart is broken, just lift those hands and say, I know that I can make it. I know that I can stand no matter what comes my way. Is there anybody's life in the hands of God? I know you're going through. I know you're suffering. I know you're in pain, but you can praise God in the midst of it because you got the victory. Let us all stand.